Hey, podcast listener, are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. Welcome to the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast, where I help you work less and make more. My name is Geraldine Carter. Today, we're talking about pricing intangibles. Because one thing that comes up again and again and again is the question, how do I price intangibles? But why are we even talking about this? We're talking about this because intangibles have value. And value is the precursor to price. If you're not great at measuring so-called intangibles, you won't appreciate their full value. And if you don't appreciate their full value, you will underprice. And when you underprice, you're going to leave a lot of money on the table. And then you're going to have to work really hard to compensate for not understanding how to measure value and price intangibles. You with me? So three sections today. Number one, why I think CPAs are prone to getting stuck here. Number two, debunking in air quotes intangibility. And number three, steps to actually get you closer to measuring, valuing, and pricing the intangibles. So let me address why I think CPAs tend to get stuck here, perhaps a bit more often than in other professions. I think CPAs tend to get caught in this question because of a few factors. One is that there appear to be relatively few thought leaders in the industry who actually know the answer to this question. I look around and it doesn't appear to me that very many leaders have cracked this nut. So there aren't very many people for you to get the answer from. Another one is that there is an industry standard that you get your CPA license. You are out there wondering how to price. You look around. You see other CPAs are billing by the hour. So you think that that's okay. This is how it's done. And off you go. Another is that we can all agree on the length of an hour. So it appears to shorten the pricing conversation because the seller and the buyer agree that an hour is an hour. And because this question, how do I price things that are intangible, seems so philosophical and out there, like you could spend five years getting a PhD on this question and still not get the answer. You think to yourself, well, rather than grapple with this, how about I actually get some meaningful work done so I can get paid? So the question gets left unanswered. Also, because CPAs primarily deal in dollars, they haven't been required in quite the same way to learn the value of things that are subjective. By contrast, think of a professional artist who's been commissioned to provide artwork for something. That person has had to grapple with the subjective value of art. 
If you're in the business of art, you are likely to have a better appreciation and acceptance of the concept of the subjective nature of intangibles and their value. And the last one is that, quite honestly, gap accounting doesn't help. The idea that only financial transactions get accounted for and therefore only things financial in nature appear on the balance sheet doesn't help a person appreciate the value of assets that are intangible. So these are some of the challenges that contribute to not having the answer to the question, how do I price intangibles? Okay, so now that we understand how it's possible to get stuck here, let's debunk intangibility myths. (laughs) This first one is that things that are intangible are in fact intangible. Some of the things that you think are intangible are in fact tangible. Let's just quickly revisit the definition of tangible. So if you check out Merriam-Webster, it says capable of being perceived, especially by the sense of touch or substantially real and material. So if you just go off of this definition, where it leads people to and where I think they get stuck is that it has to be able to fit in a glass and you have to hold it in the palm of your hand in order for it to be tangible, right? It's this sense of touch. But the next definition is capable of being precisely identified or realized by the mind. So this is where I think it gets more useful and you can expand the definition of tangible. It's capable of being identified by the mind, right? So if your mind can identify that it exists, then it's tangible. And once you go with this definition, then you go, okay, now these more things are in fact tangible and I don't have to get lost in my head of that's something I can't physically touch with my fingertips, therefore I can't measure it. It doesn't have to be a physical object to be measurable. And when you get out of this idea, then suddenly things like stress, clarity, relief, and peace of mind are all tangible. The next myth is things you cannot see as a material or physical thing cannot be measured. We tend to use time, weight, length, dollars, and so on to measure things. And yes, those are common tools, but not having one of those common tools doesn't mean you can't measure something. You can measure by comparison. You can have a lot of a thing or a little of a thing. You can have a crap ton of work to do. You can increase your peace of mind. You can measure by rough percentage, like cutting client fires in half or increasing employee engagement by 40%. These measurements are relative and they can be useful. Scales and tape measures aren't the only way to measure things. Which brings us to myth number three, that you have to measure things directly. Sometimes things are available to be measured directly, but sometimes they're not. So say, for example, you want to measure stress. One way to measure stress is directly by drawing a vial of blood and testing for cortisol levels. But that's not imminently practical. Yet measuring stress is useful, so how can you do it? You can measure indirectly by finding out what a person does when they're stressed out. So maybe a person reaches for the video game console and plays a bunch of video games to de-stress. Then we can measure how much time they spend playing video games to de-stress. Once you start finding ways to measure indirectly, you may find that you use indirect measures more often than direct ones. The fourth myth is that your measurements need to be exact. Your measurements do not need to be exact or precise to be useful. For those of us who enjoy and appreciate precision and exactness, this can be a challenging one to let go of. 
but for your clients, they may find that close enough is good enough to move on and that time spent getting exactness for them gets lost in minutia and they would rather have close enough be good enough than to delay six weeks while you go and get exact numbers. As long as your measurements are precise enough to be useful, you're allowed to use them. So quick review on tangibility myths. It doesn't need to be tangible by your fingertips to be tangible. Scales and measuring tapes and spreadsheets are tools for measuring, but they aren't the only tools. You can use comparison, approximations, and so on. Your measurements do not need to be direct. You can learn a lot and use indirect measures. And they don't need to be exact. They just need to be close enough to be useful. So now on to part three, which is the actual steps to get you closer to measuring, valuing, and pricing the intangible. Learn to listen for the intangibles that are important to your buyer. So if your buyer says something like, oh my gosh, thank you. You just saved me from snapping an entire box of number two pencils in half because I never would have figured this out on my own. Underneath that, snapping of number two pencils is a sign of frustration. Tune your ears to these things. And then find out what they use to measure the intangible. How often do they play video games or go golfing to de-stress or unplug? How much time would they spend playing video games, golfing, whatever, if their business was running smoothly? Find out what their indirect measures are. Then you want to ask them what it would be worth to have those things. This is where you get to the subjective value to them. And you can get at the value of improving their condition through the back door with a question like, Let's just say, purely hypothetically, that we could guarantee that we could create that exact outcome. What would that be worth to you? Like a million bucks or a hundred thousand bucks or 10,000 bucks? And then you zip it and they will give you an estimation. They might say something like, I don't know, like, I don't know, maybe 250, maybe $300,000. And now you have your answer of what the intangible thing is worth to them. And you use what they tell you to determine the price. So perhaps that's myth number five that needs debunking, that the very nature of the question, how do I price intangibles, is flawed. Because when it's framed purely as how do I assign a price to these intangibles, you think about it as throwing a dart at the board of pricing something that is intangible, but not up to you to determine the value of. In the end, it isn't you who determines the price of the intangibles. Your buyers do. Now, for a numbers person like you, I get that this sounds like hocus pocus. But all the pricing experts will say that pricing is part science and part art. So I've just given you some tools to give you the scientific piece now it's up to you to go try it and see what happens. All right, that's it from me. Have a great week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.